0: Hello, and welcome in to the Mike and Mike podcast here this morning, Uh, coming to you uh, live and back and better than ever. Uh, We're here this morning after uh, a short two-month sabbatical uh, where we had to deal with a few things going on. Uh, Michael had a bunch of stuff happening there uh, with some of the expansion stuff at at Team Modern and uh, year-end stuff's always fun uh here in the brokerage world so um we finally got ourselves uh back together a little bit so that we could be a little bit more regular um here providing content to you all uh the most amazing thing i can tell you about our sabbatical is how many people uh out there are actually listening to this and asking uh when we were going to get back together so uh i'm blown away by that so thank you uh all of you that are listening and tuning in and hopefully uh, we can get back on the train and uh, earn your viewership uh, to the next podcast. So, Michael, how is everything at the great expansion of Somerset? And uh, <laughs> are y'all coming back down yet? It,
1: it feels like more than two months. I promise you that. Um, but everything, everything's well. Very blessed. You know, uh, we we are we are not the GameStop of Bible study podcasts. This <laughs> is not this is not fake demand. There's real demand out there, Mike. <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. Uh, so I, again, we're, we're thankful you're here. Thank you are tuning in with us um, today, you know, given uh, a few different things going on that that Michael and I have, have, have experienced uh, over the last little bit in the workplace and looking at some situations, we thought this morning we could turn our attention to um, you know, what do you do uh, from, a, from a corporate leadership standpoint? You know, we're, again, remember the, the intent of the podcast is how do we use biblical principles in the workplace? And so the, the, one of the biblical, one of the greatest biblical principles there is from Genesis to Revelation is the idea of forgiveness, of turning from your ways, of making changes in your life. Uh, and, and we see that throughout the Old Testament, even in the minor prophets, when there's destruction that's pronounced Um, God says yet, even now turn to me and you can be blessed. So how do we take this idea of, of forgiveness, of mercy, of grace? How do we take that in the workplace when we have troubled employees? Uh, you know, the, the thing about it is as much as we, we want to have the right culture and that's the last several of these podcasts we talked about as much as we want to have the right culture in the workplace, as much as we want to have. Uh, build an environment where we think we're susceptible for that right there's sin at the church right we have to deal with congregational discipline so there's there's no way we can think that we're not going to have to deal with workplace discipline and workplace forgiveness and 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 employees that just have have problems so how do we we take those same principles and apply them to the workplace and not you know and, and and not destroy that culture that we're working very carefully to build so um you know, let, let me throw that first question to you, Michael, is is what are what are some initial concerns of, you know, blanket forgiveness in the workplace? You know, if the employee stumbles, um, commits some sins, has some problems in their personal life, maybe it affects the, the workplace. Maybe it's just personal stuff, but now it's somehow brought into the workplace. What are some pitfalls of just saying, hey, we blanketly forgive everybody?
1: I don't think I'm being very very profound here when I when I say there's some accountability issues, right? Is is um, that you know if if you do have a culture that believes in certain things and and uh, there's there's a perceived lack of accountability that can they can have a you know corrosive effect um, on the culture. You know there, there's also just just the simple fact on the other side of the coin that. It's it's the hypocrisy of attempting to have a culture that is built on some Christian fundamentals and then not being graceful and forgiving. You know, the the hypocrisy of that is sniffed out pretty quickly. And and I think that we can fall pretty easy to fall into that trap of hypocrisy, of you know, no, no, this is this is this is a business decision, this is completely different. So the, the, the balance there of, um, how do you, you know, the balance of grace and accountability, and and we've, we've touched on that before, but haven't, haven't uh, delved into it in great detail. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's the same, the same, um, conflict, um, that, that almost a yin and yang thing uh, in my, in my mind the grace and accountability that they both have to exist. And if one overpowers the other, there's a, there's an imbalance and, and that that same that that same conflict exists in the home. You know, I want to give my kids grace and accountability. Um, in the in the church, there's there's grace and accountability. Um, so I, I don't I don't think that it's it's a uniquely um, business problem, um, but obviously because of the nature of what we're talking about, we're talking about business. It does it does uh, create Conflict and it creates some hard questions.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, let, let's understand too that th- there is some uh, some fundamental differences between what we look at in the workplace as far as when, um, for lack of a better term, when the judgment day comes. And the workplace is a lot sooner than, um, you know, definitely in, in our lives as Christians, right? Uh, you know, the nature of grace is that it's unfair. And essentially, you know, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We are going to, for to use just a terrible phrase that I never feel comfortable saying, but it's just the truth. We are going to get away with sinning, right? We've committed sin and we are going to get away with it because of the sacrifice of Jesus, right? Jesus is paying that debt for us. And so, you know, at the end, some game of, of a life as a Christian is that, you know, we are hoping um, and working diligently towards cleaning our life up and really not paying the cost of our own sin in the broader picture. Now, do we pay individual costs? Absolutely. You know, right. If I sin against you, then then there's some um, consequences of that sin. We reap what we sow. We we understand that part of it. But I think in the workplace, as opposed to a end of life judgment, right, where, where, where we have to be accountable for all of our deeds, whether, you know, done or undone at the end of our life, with, with God, with Jesus on judgment day in the workplace, that judgment day comes weekly, monthly, quarterly, uh, comes with earnings reports. I mean, there, it's just, a, I think, a lot sooner judgment day. And while I think sometimes we focus either on one or another attribute of God, that all the attributes are, are, are what's right. Right. So God is merciful and gracious and loving, but also just. So I think we want to forget about the justice of God from sometimes, but other times we focus too much on, you know, the hellfire and brimstone side of it and don't focus enough on grace. I think the truth's always in the middle with balance, right? And, and I think that's really what we've got to strive to both in our Christian lives as well as, as in the workplace is that there's a balance. But what we also have to understand is that, you know, that judgment day is, is coming sooner, And sometimes just like within the church where there's congregational discipline and that congregational discipline is, you know, we've got to withdraw some fellowship from you. If you are, and a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? We, we, we know those passages, The same thing happens in the workplace, but instead of withdrawing fellowship, you can't be employed here anymore because you're doing damage to the whole based on your actions, based on your attitudes, based on things that you aren't there. So here's the question I'm going to throw back at you, Michael is, so, help me understand the difference here between forbearance, working through somebody's problems with them, and tolerance, or just outright saying, you know, we're gonna, you know, uh, Bob produces, so we're gonna let him be a jerk. Yeah.
1: well um, you, you brought up the parallel between church discipline and and um, I'm gonna be careful with that because obviously there's some very obvious, not not parallels but one of the one of the things i would note and is that the the attitude and the reaction of the the person who made the mistake is is a big deal in in terms of what what are the effects in within the church from a from a matthew 18 perspective you know um and so if you want to kind of and, and you know, Matthew 18 conflict resolution ain't a terrible thing, even in the workplace, if that's your model. And so if you if you go to that if you go to this coworker uh, or employee and have the conversation, and the the attitude and the reaction of the coworker is such that they understand and are contrite about it and and uh, they have a genuine desire to, to do better, that's far different than than one that is belligerent and standoffish. So the, the reaction of the individual is, is, you know, is, is really important. And, and I, I'm, I'm struck by what, wouldn't this be great if this is the idea, I'm struck by two different things that Jesus said. Um, you know, he said, if you offend a brother, you gotta go find them um, before you leave your gift at the altar, you gotta go find them. But we also got the biblical principle that it's a glory to overlook an offense. And so both sides of that are a little bit countercultural. And and so, you know, the the ideal would be the employee comes and, you know, you know, that's before they leave their gift at the altar, so to speak, <laughs> and 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 says, Hey, listen, I, I've screwed this up and I'm I'm gonna make it right. And the employer says, It's forgiven. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be like I know, I'm Pollyanna, but that right. that that would be the the legitimate bringing that biblical idea because I think that's the way that it's intended to work for Christians. Is if I know if I'm offended somebody, if I know I've offended you, again, and and I go, hey, Mike, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean for that to come out that way. Listen, I, I didn't, you know, I'm gonna make this right, and I apologize. And you say, man, I've already forgiven that. That's that's the Christian interaction, um, but based on. You know, I think based on New Testament teaching, and so is I, I say all that to say the the attitude and the reaction of of the individual, in my mind, has a lot to do with is is this is this a Christian based forgiveness or is this a turning a blind eye to issues?
0: So, I think the other thing in here that we've got to be honest with is that you know there's also a Performance metric to this, right? That that we don't have within the church, right? If, if I'm a bad song leader, or I'm a bad, you know, opening prayer guy, or whatever, you know, I'm not going to get necessarily cut from that list. Now, I may not be up every Sunday. Um, I, I may be on an eight week rotation or a twelve week rotation, but we're not going to be cut from service. But if you're a frontline employee and you screw up every part you touch. I can't keep you on the front line, right? And so, you know, th- there is some, and, and, and I, we've all heard this business principle. You know, anybody that, that, that's had classes on this or worked in management, there's, there's two things you can do with a struggling employee, right? You coach them up or you coach them out. And, and I think that's that idea of forbearance. Can we, you know, coach you through this? Is this a training issue? Is this a, a process issue? Like, why do you keep having the same mistakes? And let's try to work through that I think that's that idea of forbearance right let me work through this with you versus a you know we can't tolerate the fact that every fifth widget you touch you break like we, we can't do that we can't make money as a company if you're doing that so the best thing for you to do is not touch widgets let's figure out what you're good at and send you out the door to do that because this isn't your thing
1: yeah one, one of the key distinctions that we should probably mention is you know we would never say this obviously about christianity but in the workplace not everybody's a fit and 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 so it may very well be that the job fit isn't there and and we i think both of us would say from a practical perspective when we've seen this that continuing to try to pound that round peg into a square hole is just frustrating for both the employee and 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 the employer um, and so if that if that fit doesn't exist is it the graceful thing to <laughs> to help this employee find something that fits whether it's with your organization or elsewhere. And and so, right.
0: yeah, if you, if you think two plus two is red, you can't work in the accounting department. All right. It's just, I, I love you. You can be a great guy, but if you can't add, then you can't work in accounting. If, if you freeze up and are very uncomfortable talking to people or making phone calls, you can't work in the sales department because that's what the fundamental job is. So I, I to your point, I think, the, the gracious thing to do if if we care about somebody if we we truly are vested in that person's best interest the great thing to do is let's get them out of there because they're probably miserable as well as the company's miserable right everybody's miserable in that scenario and so let's find you something that you're that's going to be rewarding and that you're going to be happy doing
1: it's easy to get a little institutional arrogance about that and just be unwilling to give up any employee to no, know we, we don't we're not going to find you a better fit we're going to you know, we're, we're the right place for you and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to find a home for you. And, and, you know, just because because our brand is, you know, we, I think it's easy to get institutional arrogance about that and lose sight of the fact that that individual's got a family and got, um, you know, they, they've got uh, uh, a, whole, a whole life that they're trying to uphold personally. And if they are miserable and in a bad fit, it, it really doesn't matter how great your organization is and your culture is, that, that it's not great for that person. And, and so you can't, you can't get too um, institutionally conceited about this is the best place for everybody.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I'm gonna say something that, that may make a lot of our viewers uncomfortable, but um, it's, it's just the absolute truth on this. The church isn't for everybody either, right? Um, I, I know that's uncomfortable, we wanna say that, but let's talk about who the church is not for those that are willfully disobedient, that do not want to submit themselves to God, that do not want to change their lives. The church isn't for you. We could force you to come to church and we could do whatever event to try to draw you in. But if you're not willing to change your life and submit to God and submit to Jesus, the church is not for you. And so, you know, while we you know, I think make these grandiose statements, like there's always a place for it. There's really not. And the same thing in the workplace, there's got to be certain things you've got to be willing to do or able to do in order to find a fit in the workplace. And I think the same things within the church that there are going to be some that are lost, but it's simply because they, for whatever reason, have decided that they don't want to do the things necessary to be a part of that. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's part of the things we got to come to grips with, with, you know, especially the purveying idea of just blanket grace and mercy for all, that, that's not really the way it works within the church either, right? That, that, that mercy and grace is for those who come and submit in order to receive it. Uh, but there's terms. And, and I think, you know, sometimes we get lost in that, that there's terms of this covenant that we agree to, that God agrees to, and the same thing in the workplace. There's terms of, of employment, that you have to agree to as an employee, and I agree to provide as an employer.
1: Yeah, I mean, go provide the caveat to that, that that I know you're thinking, but it probably needs to be said out loud, is the obvious difference is there's there's not a plan B for, for the church. And you know, for 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 our organizations, if somebody doesn't fit in our organization, they may fit at the one next door. And, mm-hmm. and it may be better for their life and a better fit. And so the link that you go to, obviously to, to, uh, try to convince that person to stay is very different. And that, that would be the obvious, that would be the obvious difference. There's, you know, the, the 99 kind of example, you know, what would God do for that, for that soul? And, and, and for that, for that simple reason that there's not there, you know, there, there are businesses down the street and some of them may be a better fit. Um, so it, it's it's certainly easier to to let let somebody go in that in that scenario. It shouldn't be as painful. But to your point, um, if, if there is a demonstrated lack of willingness
0: to fit the role, you know, that the individuals made that decision. Are you telling me that all my analogies aren't perfect? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just saying that made me a little squishy and I thought that there had to be just at
0: least some some modification <laughs> so uh, great right um that there there are, are other fits but you know e- even with the, the 99 that the, the reason why um, God's able to bring the sheep back is because the sheep gets in his arms right he, he grabs him and brings him back. Um, but we see throughout the period of, of the old testament where they ran away from god yep. and ended up in captivity yep um, so you know it, it's always a choice uh, but you're right it, i mean i my my overarching point is more so that that, that it, it there's a give and take as an employer it's not our job to employ everyone in the county that that's not our job any more than you know than to, to do everything to save everybody we, we can't we there's limited, you know, resources and ability and whatnot, but there's, there's gotta be that fit. Um, so I, I don't think we should also see it as a failure if they fit better at place B. Um, I can tell you, you know, at least a half a dozen people that have worked for me in the past that, you know, what we found out the best thing for them was to move on and they're happy and successful in their careers and have thanked me because they probably would have stayed and toughed it out and drown in the position that they were in instead of finding something that was more fulfilling and more suited to their skill set, And so, you know, we've got to be, you know, I guess, have the courage of conviction is what I want to say to have those very tough conversations with them to say, you know, I care about you enough as an employee that, you know, this isn't the best fit for you that, and, you know, maybe we've got some other department in the organization that's a better fit, or maybe, you know, the best thing to do is, you know, uh, let, let me introduce you to somebody at, at Company B down the street that I think what they do fits a lot better in your skill set. It sounds a little bit like
1: what we're saying. I'd be curious to get your feedback on this, but it sounds a little bit like what we're saying is, you know, competence problems are pretty hard to overcome. Um if your if your competency doesn't match your position, that's an issue. Um you know, what what in the church we would call sinful um issues um making making not competency mistakes, but judgment mistakes. That that is, you know, I, th- I think we would agree that there's a graceful way to get out of competency mistakes. The job's not a fit. Um, judgment mistakes, not not that you can't do the math, but that you, you're continually making poor um, moral decisions. Uh, that 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 is a little different story, and, and getting out of those gracefully or finding a position somewhere else is is a, is a little trickier.
0: So let, let's you know get down to the the brass tacks and the hard part of this with um, eight minutes left. Uh, so what do you do when the judgment moral mistakes are outside the walls of the company? Right. So you got somebody that's not you know, fudging the numbers in the accounting department or, you know, misreporting sales, but, you know, their life is a dumpster fire. Um, But they come to work every day and are, you know, relatively good at their job. But outside the walls of the building, I mean, and and you can see it as a manager that at some point that's going to affect the work inside because you can't really separate the two. If your life's a dumpster fire, eventually your work's going to be a dumpster fire too. It's just a matter of when you can hold it together for so long, but it's just a matter of when. So how do you, how do you tow that line of forbearance versus tolerance when it's external to the company?
1: So there's a personal relationship that is probably necessary um, to have any kind of substantive conversation there. And that's, that's difficult um, because, you know, for, for both probably legal and you know ethical reasons you, you, you don't you can't just um, start whacking employees for things that happened outside outside of the office it's not affecting performance even to your point if you can see it coming down the road it's not affecting performance there's some there's both some legal and ethical reasons that you just can't Uh, preempt that and make that decision in my judgment so you got to have somebody with a relationship that's willing to talk to that person and and you know have a hard conversation so that you know is is this going to affect job performance and is it going to affect culture and uh, I don't know how you have a I don't know how you have a, a valuable conversation on that front without a pretty good relationship and so it kind of circles back to you know what we've talked about before and creating a culture and even if you're on the front line create a little culture around the circle around you Um, you, a history of just being a good human and having relationships with the people around you is got to be valuable Uh, now what do you do if that attempt at conversation falls flat and there's, there's not any, um, there's not any response or, or any change. It, it, it's, it's a really hard conversation. I'd be interested to hear your feedback.
0: So, um, I, I love what you just said there. Cause, cause that's part of where I was going with this is, you know, what's amazing scripturally is that it all works together, right? You can't take some commands of the Bible and ignore others because you need those two cohesive units. So what I mean by that is 1 Corinthians 5 and withdrawal fellowship does not work unless you have fellowship, right? You know, so if if we get to the point in congregational discipline where we've come to, you know, a member and said, you know, we're going to withdraw from you. And they say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means, you know, we, we can't go out to eat anymore. Well, we never went out to eat. It means I'm not going to invite you to my house anymore. Well, I've never, you've never invited me to your house. You know, we're we're withdrawing things that didn't exist. So, I mean, what really changes? So, if if we don't have that part, the other part doesn't work. The discipline part doesn't work. Um, And I think the same thing to your point within the corporate relationship. If you don't have the culture of, you know, we're here. You know, we're a, you know, a, a big family. We're, we're, you know, working together. We're striving for the best of everybody then you can't really have that, you know, kind of put my arm around you conversation, right? If you don't have the relationship, you can't have the conversation to say, hey, I care about you because no, you don't. You never have. I'm just employee number 11206. You don't really care about me. But if you do care about me, now it's genuine when you come. So I'm going to throw a ton of gas on the fire. <laughs> Does it matter or do you treat it different or do you have to treat it different if you frontline employee guy uh that's you know entry-level employee guy if he's got a drinking problem and you know you can see some mistakes in his life at home but it hasn't come into the workplace versus c-suite guy that's got a drinking problem and that could come into the workplace do you have the same conversation with those two or do you have very different conversations with those two
1: and who has the conversation
0: um correct uh, that, yeah third third implied question
1: yeah um, I, I think the the general tenor of the question has to be the same the implications that i answer are very different um the question is are you trying to protect the business or are you, are you worried about the individual if you're if you're worried about the individual the conversation is pretty similar um, but in reality, you're also got business interests in mind, and so the conversation has to be a little different. Um, so there are some core there are some core pieces of it that have to be the same, but um, because because um, leadership has more accountability and a, a, a greater impact, um, there 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 has to be a different has to be a different business conversation uh, and and as far as you know as far as who has it i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you tackle that one <laughs> it, it's it's challenging also
0: so here, here's the thing it, it sounds it sounds profoundly unfair that the conversations have to be handled differently right everybody should be the same but it's not uh entry-level employee and c-suite guy don't get paid the same either right and with your compensation, you also have some other, you know, implied deals there. You are a face of the company. You are a leadership of the company, especially if you're, an. I, and I use the term C-suite, but I'm talking about officers of a company, people that when they say, you know, that's Joe Smith, he works for XYZ company, he's a vice president, he's representing the company every time he goes out. So, you know, even though you're not, you know it's in your personal life that that's, that reflects on the company when you're an officer, the guy that, you know, is entry-level employee, you may work there, but nobody in the community is going to say, Oh, well that must be a terrible company because Joe, their entry-level employee has problems. Right. So, so you've got some perception issues there too, but don't we have the same thing within the church? Don't we discipline preachers, deacons, elders differently than we do other people? And why is it? It's because of the sphere of influence, right? You know, you come to, you know, <coughs> preachers, teachers, and, and I think that's part of the scripture. That says, you know, let not many of you be teachers because yours is a stricter judgment. You know, I, I would take that same and apply it. Let not many of you be officers of a corporation because yours is a stricter judgment. Now, again, with officers of a corporation comes a, a higher pay, but part of that higher pay is that you're Never truly off the clock.
1: So uh, I would uh, I, th- I would add Luke twelve forty eight. who whom much is given, much is required. I think that fits there also. But go ahead.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. So the other thing is, you know, who is who's going to be most effective in having that conversation, right? Um, you know, I, I would think, you know, for for entry level employee you know, probably their, you know, immediate supervisor that's got a closer relationship. I'd say if I'm entry-level employee and, you know, two levels above my manager are who comes and pulls me into a room, I'm terrified. I, I don't know that I feel good about that conversation. My manager comes to me, puts his arm around me and says, Joe, you know, love you. You do a good job here for me. Show up every day, but I'm just, I'm worried about your personal life, you know, and I'm worried that, you know, it's going to be bad for you in the long run. I think that rings more truer that I care about you versus the guy that comes out of C-suite may or may not be able to pick me out of a lineup. Officer of the company, C-suite guy of the company, uh, the danger is you've got to have somebody that's got some you know leadership above them uh, to have that conversation because they're depending on their attitude, depending on on how they react to that. They you know a subordinate would have a hard time. Talking to them about you know problems in their life. Maybe if the relationship's close enough, they can say, "Look, this as a friend, I'm worried about you." Um, a peer's going to have, I think, going to get some pushback. So you got to have some, you know, somebody with some, if not power over them, at least influence over them. But again, I think all of this stuff again goes back to the culture, right? who has influence over the officers and have you built a culture that you all influence each other and it's not really an org chart stack rank, but a, Hey, we're all in this together. How's the culture to find those things? Um, You know, so I I think that's the tricky part of it is, you know, who truly does have influence and can they be influenced? And if they can't, do they belong in the C-suite?
1: One, and I know time's running short, but one, one last thing I would add in, in my long uh, research process preparing for this podcast. I, uh, you know, if you, if you do take a moment and just kind of Google forgiveness in the workplace, it's interesting that what you'll find is, or at least, at least what, what I found was, there's not a lot of biblical. Based or Bible-based um, content, at least at least that comes to the top of the search. What you find is secular-based content that talks about the value of forgiveness in the workplace as a uh, as a culture-building tool, as a mental health um, improvement tool, and as you know advocating this as, as a um, as a way to to have a healthier work environment. I just found that very interesting that you know the, the principles that we talk about um, and that we believe in from a from a Bible perspective that secularly um, at least in, in many instances secularly people kind of learn those lessons the hard way and advocate for them with, with, and, and probably without even realizing that they are um, like, <laughs> like, like Balaam's donkey. They don't realize they're speaking the words of God, um, but, but they are.
0: I, I, that's one of the things that's always amazed <clears throat> me about, you know, self-help books, workplace leadership books. A lot of times when you read these, you know, the secular points they made are, are biblical principles. I can find Proverbs that say the exact same thing. Um, so it's, it's just, it always, every time I come across that, it always just rings true. Like, imagine this, the guy that created us <laughs> knows how we best function. Like, imagine that, you know, it, it, how much easier a lot of our life would be if we, you know, follow biblical principles because that's how we perform at our best. That, that's what makes the best versions of ourselves. You know, we can we can take a circuitous route to get there, and you know, blame it on somebody's story or fable or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, if it's true, it's it's been there, and if it's not, then it doesn't work.
1: Um, but, but I think that's also interesting to say that some of the things we're talking about, um, not not avoidance and not um, I forget the word you used, but but you know, tolerance, junior, not not yeah, not tolerance. Um, or just blind tolerance, but, but genuine forgiveness and forbearance. Um, And maybe we don't think about this side of it enough. You know, we know we're supposed to do it. uh, And we know, and it is hard, you know, you're choosing to, to, to eat the debt yourself. It's kind of what forgiveness is. Mm -hmm. Right. But the world would say for, even from a, from a secular point of view, the world would say, this is, this is better they wouldn't say it this way but it's better for your soul it's better for mm-hmm. your mental health it's better for your your attitude it's better for your environment and so again that's just just one of those one of those points that, that you know these these commandments aren't grievous we're not we're not told to do these things um these hard things just as a test um always but because in in many many instances they're it's God playing the long game with our, with our uh, hearts and our minds and things are genuinely better for us as people. Um, even, even the secular world would, would bear that out.
0: You know you know what, when you were saying that, what, what it made me think about, um, this, this is again another one of my terrible analogies, but you know, you think about what we've talked about in building culture and doing these things within the workplace it is an expensive business model, right? I mean, not only, you know, hard costs, but emotional costs. I mean, it's, it's an expensive business model. You could, it's probably not as streamlined efficient, lean six sigma as, you know, other workplaces that, that don't take into those account. But, you know, again, the parallel, God's business model is overly expensive, right? You know, the cost for forgiveness is is as you you pointed out the cost for forgiveness is borne by the forgiver so you know the cost for for our forgiveness is jesus that, that's an expensive business model but it's worth it you know right that things that are expensive don't mean that they're you know they're bad expenses you know it's one of my favorite sayings expense is relative and only important in the absence of value that you know some things are expensive but they're expensive because it's worth it and and when we run business models that are expensive, you know the return that we get on those expenses is worth it because it's more than I think it's more than profits. It's it, it's you know it's it's building, uh, building people, and and I think we're always going to be blessed. We're always going to be rewarded when our greatest asset are the people that that work with us and for us.
1: Yeah, net, net building long term things. I, I do think that's a biblical principle. Is, is um... Don't not short-term thinking, but long-term thinking. We we've talked about that before. I mean, there's there's a there's there's two ways to cook a frozen pizza. I mean, you can you can pop it in the microwave and hook hick it up to 700 degrees and and burn your mouth, and it's not very good, but you get it quickly. Or you can do it the nice, you know, slow, you know, bring it up to temp slowly, and you, you've got a you got a much better product. So there's my analogy. Um, frozen pizza uh, business principles.
0: Looking well, like a guy that spends a lot of time in C-stores. <laughs> uh, very good. So let's, let, let's, let's close on our, uh, frozen pizza theology. Um, again, thank you all for, for tuning in, for joining us. We are going to, uh, to the best of our ability, strive to at least do these once a week. Um, you know, I think we can, now that things have calmed down a little bit, um, you know, we, I think we can get back to that, that swing. So uh, again, thank you for tuning in. We, we hope that these things have given you some stuff to think about, whether you're in management, whether you're, uh, you know, employee or, or anywhere in between, that as you think about how you interact in the workplace and, and how others interact with you, um, that, that it can help help you be better and, and help you on your your walk with God. So that, that's our hope and prayer that we've given you some things to think about and that you can be a little bit better for the time that you spent with us this morning.
1: God bless Thank my friend. See you.